0: Welcome to Mom Enough. With your co host, developmental psychologist Dr. Marty Erickson and Dr. Erin Erickson, maternal child health specialist and nurse practitioner. Here's my grandma Marty. And here's Erin, my mom
1: enough. Welcome to Mom Enough. I'm Erin Erickson here with my mom Marty. And this is the month of the military child. And so our guest today is going to talk to us about this very topic. Jessica Strong, uh, as the Senior Director of Applied Research at Blue Star Families, leads a team of research and policy professionals developing research to inform and drive policy change to address military lifestyle challenges and support military and veteran families. Very important work that she is doing. Prior to joining Blue Star Families, she was a university professor on the tenure track before a military relocation shifted her career away from academia. Jessica is an active duty Army spouse with three children, currently stationed at Fort Wachuca, Arizona. So thank you so much for joining us, Jessica.
2: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here today. I'm glad you were able to join us to to squeeze us in um, during the month of the Military Child.
0: Well, Jessica, I was just really excited to um, read about the research that you've been doing, and um, uh, I know you. There's a survey. Uh, research study that is done every year. And you have a new one for this year. And it just gives a a very broad and deep picture of what's happening with military families. And I was very taken with, um, with your findings and just definitely wanted to get you on because I think there's so many families out there who are currently in the military and have uh, children there who are still at home and, um, and also a lot of families who have experienced that and may still be facing some of the issues that have to do with their past military uh, deployment or active um, active duty. So this is just a really interesting topic uh, not only for people who are in the military, but I think we all know people who are or have been and whose children may be facing some of the things that you're going to tell us about. Uh, the families facing, not only the children, um, but of course the month of the military child is kind of what was the precipitating factor for getting you on uh, during this month of April. So um, I I hope you can start by telling us just a little bit about the study. I'm a researcher, as are you and, and, and Aaron as well, and we like to know a little bit about the methodology, what's the basis for the findings that you're going to talk about, and then really give us an overview of what the top issues are for military families today.
2: Absolutely, thank you for that. The story of our our military family lifestyle survey, which we do every year, really starts with the story of Blue Star Families and how Blue Star Families was founded. So, um, back in 2009, a group of military spouses got together, and while you know we love talking, we love serving in the military, we love um, providing that service to the nation and being part of military families that support the service members. There are some aspects of military life that that just could be easier and don't have to be as hard as they as they are. So they they founded Blue Star Families to address some of these concerns and elevate the voices of military families. And one of the first things that they did was um, put together this military family lifestyle survey, because if you're going to advocate for, for a group of people, and you need to understand what the issues are. So they launched the first survey in 2009, and we've been doing it ever since. In 2009, we had a, about 2,700 respondents, and that has grown considerably over the years. This last year we had 9,363 respondents to the survey, and that, com- that includes voices from active duty families, National Guard and Reserve families, and veteran um, veterans and their spouses, veteran families as well. So we've been tracking some of the issues that are important to military and veteran families for over a decade now. Um, and some of the things that we, we continue to see year over year, what, what I call our perennial issues are some of the top issues again this year? This year, the top issues were spouse employment, which is uh, something we can dig into a little bit deeper because it truly affects not only the spouse but also the the family financial and you know emotional well-being. Um, so spouse employment is a top concern year over year. It's been one of our top issues since the survey started. So we know that that is central to military family uh, um, top of mind for military families there another top concern that that military families almost always have is time away from their service member Um, obviously we know how important time together is for families and military families due to deployment due to training due to um, duty stations and relocations spend a lot of time apart and so that is also a top issue for military families Um, the other top three of our top five issues have to do with financial concerns related to you know, concerns about military pay, relocation issues for the frequent relocations that military families often face, and housing costs when they are relocating. And as you may know, the housing market in the United States has sort of skyrocketed in many areas in the last few years. And those housing costs are also impact, they impact all Americans, but they're also uh, uniquely impacting military families because of that frequent relocation. If you have to move to a new house every couple of years, you don't really have the, uh, um, the ability to be vested in, in one area, and you, you catch the increasing cost every time you move. So those are some of the top concerns that we've seen year-over-year, and year, particularly this year.
0: That, that's a wonderful overview, and I, I'm really reminded again about uh, what was in your introduction today, or Aaron's introduction of you, uh, and that you were a tenure-track professor, and because of um, reassignment, <laughs> relocation, um, that really shifted your career, and so you, I'm sure you have many personal stories to tell um, about that and all these other um, things that you're identifying, but really an interesting picture.
2: Yeah, and my my story is not unique. I was a university professor um, at, on military social work and military families at the University of North Carolina Wilmington for a while, And then we got orders to a new duty station, and it was like a month ish before I would have been eligible for tenure, but we just couldn't keep the family separated any further we had done what what many people call a geo batch geo bachelor it's where the service member receives orders to a new duty station, but the family stays behind and the most common reasons families stay behind at that previous duty station is because they don't want to disrupt the kids education or the spouse has a has a career that they don't want to leave. So we had spent two years apart because of that geo batch, and then we got orders to another new duty station. and just couldn't do the time apart anymore. So that led me away from the tenure track, but it brought me to Blue Star Families where I'm able to do this sort of work, which is really uh, rewarding and being able to, um, it's really my joy to be able to elevate military families' concerns and issues and voices so that we can address some of these things and make military life a little bit easier for, for other people who are coming behind me.
1: Oh, that's so important. And uh, I know that it is so hard because it's, you know, people often say, oh, thank you so much for your service to the person who's in active duty, but not maybe acknowledging just how much of a sacrifice and uh, challenge it is for the families. And so thank you too for your service and in, in service of your, your uh, family member who is uh, serving in, in the military. And so um, as far as employment being kind of a top concern, what are some of the big barriers to employment outside of these, uh, you know, relocations? What other factors are at play?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And it's an important one because, I mean, as we've said, spouse employment has been a top concern for a long, long time. And there have been a lot of initiatives, a lot, there has been a lot of work on on this issue and trying to, you know, better and make sure that military spouses are employed and can stay employed and get employed at their next duty station as quickly as, as they would like to. So there's been a lot of effort, but we're still seeing the same unemployment rate. The unemployment rate for military spouses hasn't significantly changed since 2015. So despite all of this work, there's still a lot of barriers in place. And I would say that the our research demonstrates that a couple of the top barriers are the um, service members' day-to-day job demands, being able to balance the spouse's work Around the children's children's education, children's uh, needs, and household obligations, because the service members, their employment comes comes first. Their military obligation is is the is the central part. So you have to work around that. And so spouses often have difficulty finding employment that allows them to balance their service members' job demands with the household obligations with childcare obligations with their own job demands. So, finding that balance is, is a challenge for all Americans, right? But it's also a, a particular challenge for military spouses because there's no calling in sick to your military job. You can't call in sick from a deployment. It doesn't work that way. Um, so one, that's one of the top um, challenges. Another one is childcare. We know that childcare is expensive and it's hard to find for um, you know all kinds of, all families, especially in American families. Childcare is expensive it's unaffordable it's hard it's uh, often unavailable so but it is particularly challenging for again military families because of that frequent relocation so once you find a child care provider at one duty station and you've been on the you get on the wait list and you finally get off the wait list and your child has care and you can start your start your job then you move to another duty station and you're back on the wait list for or, or back in the search for finding affordable child care so it just becomes another thing to have to balance with all the your job obligations, your spouse's job obligations and so on. So childcare, care, um, balancing work and life with the service members, the priority of the service members job and that frequent relocation many times when you um, when families relocate, they aren't able to take the spouses, aren't able to take their jobs with them. That has been changing a little bit with the the increase in remote work and telework since covid, which is. You know, one of the tiny silver linings of the of the pandemic that we went through is we saw a lot of people move to remote work, which has helped many spouses be able to find jobs that allow them to move from one place to another and not start over every time you move.
0: Hmm. Well, that's that's really um, uh, interesting and kind of fun to find something positive that came out of that pandemic, which wreaked so much havoc, I think, in many people's lives, but. Uh, um, a really good analysis there of, of the many ways that, um, that this employment issue kind of plays out and the things that affect every member of the family in terms of balancing um, the household tasks and, and also the children. I'm thinking about the lack of consistency then um, of caregivers, which, of course, enters into the next question I want to ask you, and that is what have you learned about children's mental health um, through your surveys?
2: Yeah, thank you for the question. And I know you what, what you mentioned brought up something that I've seen many times in our open ended answers in our research about why military spouses are unemployed. Many choose to stay out of the labor force so that they can be that stability for their family when they're frequently moving and the service member is is here and gone and here and gone due to um, their military service, they want to be that that stability for for the child. But related to your question on military kids, mental health, um, this year's survey, we took sort of a deeper dive into um, bullying and the impacts and and what military families are experiencing or military children are experiencing, especially as they relocate place to place. Often they may be, they may be more at risk for bullying because they're the new kid, because they don't have those established social connections and they have to reestablish those every time they move. but we've we found that about 1 in 3 of our active duty family respondents who have a child in K12 education have experienced bullying on sp- school property in the 12 months prior to that survey fielding so we know that that is happening um what we've seen in recent years on um, children's mental health is that most kids most parents report that the their kids are doing okay again we're not surveying the the children we surveyed the the parents and ask them to report on how they feel their children are doing and as you guys probably know there's often a discrepancy between how children feel they're doing and how adults feel their children are doing so take that into consideration here but most parents feel like their kids are doing okay their kids are doing pretty well but what we what we did find is those who have kids are in kid older kids adolescents they seem to be struggling more than their younger counterparts and that may be just developmentally appropriate because um, adolescents at that point have a little bit harder of a time, um, particularly with COVID and moving to virtual schooling and not having that those in person engagements. But we that's probably pretty similar to civilian families that adolescents struggle a little bit more with their mental health than their younger counterparts.
1: Oh, definitely. As a mom of of uh, three teens, although two are in college now, um, I definitely see that just among our circle of friends and and kind of see the, you know, it's kind of like bigger kids, sometimes bigger problems or bigger challenges. You know, it's like they're moving into uh, that transition to adulthood or preparing for that. And, um, you know, the reality of what's next for them is coming up. And I think there's a lot of social pressures that come up at that time. And I, I can only imagine how hard it would be for a child to kind of, you know, they have to kind of recreate a social circle every time there's a relocation. That's that's super hard. And I can also see where it makes sense that some um, of the partners of military active duty members might want to not work so that they could continue to be that stable force as so many other things are not kind of stable or are in flux or could change at any moment. So it seems all the more important to have that secure base and kind of loving, responsive, available family member who can kind of provide some of that stability. Um, But I I think that's a really interesting thing to consider. I'm curious, have you seen anything that is really helpful for kind of ameliorating or minimizing the challenges of relocations and deployments uh, on children?
0: Yeah,
2: that's one of the things that we are we are trying to do at Blue Star Families is build connections to the community. So what we what we see in our research is that families who have a sense of belonging to the community, they they they're more resilient, they're better able to manage those things. And when you're frequently relocating, sometimes it's hard to develop that sense of belonging when you get to that community because you just got there. You don't know, you have to find your new new dentist, a new orthodontist, a new hairstylist, the new schools and get get all those things situated. So one thing that Blue Star Families does is works on addressing the connection between military families and the civilian communities where the majority of military families live most. um, And this is a misconception I like to I I like to address. Most people think that military families live on installations, and many do, but the majority, almost 70 percent live out in the civilian community. So they have civilian neighbors, they're in civilian schools, they're taking, they're in civilian employment. Um, so they are your friends and neighbors. And so when they are moving into a new community, b- creating opportunities to build connection to their neighbors helps with that, building that sense of belonging, building that resilience for the family, including the kids. So, and you can see why some families choose to to geobatch or spend time apart. So that that family has put, that has built those connections and that sense of belonging in that community and the kids who are established in their schools and in their programs and in their sports and on a on a trajectory that that works for them you don't want to disrupt that so many families choose to spend time apart so that their their, their children have that stability in a community where they feel a sense of belonging
1: yeah I really appreciate that um, kind of broader, perspective and and thinking about I mean both it's like a a sacrifice on the one hand to do the separation but I can really appreciate where that would really provide um, some stability or at least for a child to know like oh at least I get to finish out the school year or you know maybe I get to finish middle school in this one community before moving and and so I, I but I can also imagine that's a real challenge so separations long periods of separations uh, re- relocations, as we've talked about, these are real challenges that military families face, and that must put just a lot of stress on families and family relationships, even within the family. Um, what are you seeing in the research as far as that goes?
2: Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, I mean, of course, being separated from the, the service member and having the family apart is going to create some stress on on the family, and it certainly creates some stress on on spouses, as we've seen in previous year's research, they're not sleeping as well, especially if they're they're separated, they're um, a little bit more a little bit more stressed. But what we found this year, one of the things that we wanted to look at is uh, relationship satisfaction because we know that um, you there's a there's a phrase that you recruit the service member, but you retain the family. So if the spouse is unhappy with military life or the family is unhappy with military life, then they're more likely to leave military service. and that's that's uh, detrimental to national security and to that's disruptive for the family. So um, we know that that family relationship, that's that um, spouse relationship is is critically important. And we wanted to look at whether it's a moderator for some of the issues that military families face is 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 that the thing that creates more um, likelihood to leave military service? So we looked at, five different common stressors and to see what are the impacts of those stressors on relationship satisfaction. And what was interesting is we looked at those frequent relocations, deployments, we looked at access to childcare, uh, financial well-being, and spouse employment. And I was thinking that those things that are unique to military service, frequent relocations, or a, fr- a recent relocation, or a period of separation from your spouse, those would be the things that would cause stress. But it seemed those things were not significantly connected. There was, however, a pattern of connection between more stress on the family relationship and if the fam- the spouse was unemployed and if they couldn't access childcare and if they had poor financial well-being. Clearly, those three things are related to one another, but it seems my interpretation of this is that military families are prepared, or they know that deployments and separation, as part of military life, and we're we're prepared to encounter and and manage that. But it's those everyday stressors that seem um, exacerbated because of military life that cause more stress on the relationship and on satisfaction with military life as a whole. So it was, you know, mm. not being able to find childcare when you moved, and therefore you're not able to find employment, and therefore your family is less financially secure. Those are the things that were more stressful for families and more post. Place more strain on relationships than it was for deployments or relocations.
0: That's really interesting, and I, I think about um, the general body of research on stress. Um, in uh, this is primarily in adult life, but I think a lot of it applies to children and adolescents as well. And that is that even when people have big stressors, and I, I'm, you know, there are all sorts of things that would fall into that. The things that generally affect their everyday sense of well-being are more the everyday hassles. And I, I just I've, I've always as a psychologist and a researcher, I've always found um, that finding very interesting. But then I think about my own life and then that's true too. It's just these you know these little things that crop up when when you're not alert for them or you're not expecting them and and just the everyday you know sometimes it's it's conflicts with with neighbors over a fence, or you know, just things that that are sort of small in the grand scheme of things, but they really create enormous stress. So I think that's a very interesting, particularly in the context of military life, which is uh, has so many big stressors related to it, but still those those smaller things. Uh, really matter. Um, I, I also was wondering, now that we have so many women in the military and, um, and a lot of the, the non-military spouses are men, um, are, are you looking at all or seeing anything significant uh, in terms of differences for the female um, spouses or the male spouses?
2: So we don't have quite enough of a sample of male spouses to draw any conclusions from that the majority of our spouse respondents are female so when, with the, the disparity in sample sizes we didn't want to go too far into that but when we look at service members and our veterans in particular when we look at um, female versus male service members or veterans the many things are the same they deal with the same stressors right but there are some things that are a little bit different so for example a few years ago we found that childcare is a more important, a, a greater concern for female service members than it is for male service members. Um, and that may be because of uh, gender expectations and the, the that maybe that female service members are more likely to be married to another service member, there's more likely to be dual military. So it's harder to find childcare when both of you have military job obligations, where it's real difficult to call in sick because your child is not feeling well or something like that. But we are seeing some, some differences for female service members versus male service members when it comes to you know, being able to make military life work with children.
0: Interesting. Thanks for uh, answering that question, even with your limited data. I, I think it's real, those are very interesting issues in our society as a whole, um, and certainly in the
1: military as well. Well, and thank you so much for sharing uh, your research and uh, all of this information. it's It's really fascinating. I so appreciate your time and um and thank you for your service and your your spouse's service as well. We greatly appreciate that. and um and also, you know, the children. they, they are also serving in in a way too. So we appreciate the sacrifices that this means for all the whole family. And also all the work you're doing to better understand the challenges and um, what steps can be taken to uh, minimize the effect of those challenges. So thank you so much for joining us, Jessica Strong, and for the important work that Blue Star Families is doing. And uh, thank you for tuning in to Mom Enough. We hope you'll tune in again next week. I'm Erin here with my mom, Marty, and we are trying to be Mom Enough ourselves.
0: Content copyrighted by Marty and Aaron Erickson. All rights reserved. Visit momenough.com for an archive of all Mom Enough shows and many free downloadable resources on child development, parenting, and maternal health and well-being.
2: Do you think I'll have a show called Kid Enough someday?